Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. Among those who live in St. Louis, many are renters. In fact, according to a St. Louis Business Journal article published just this summer, nearly 60% of apartments and houses in the city are tenant-occupied. Now, where there are tenants, there are landlords. And all too often, when disagreement escalates to dispute and lands both sides in court, there's a serious toll on finances, present and future housing, and emotional and mental well-being. Mediation can help landlords and renters work through issues to arrive at agreement. Here in the city, the Conflict Resolution Center offers that service. Here to discuss what mediation is and how it works, we welcome two guests who've been on different sides of the process. Kat Straubinger, Mediation and Education Manager at the Conflict Resolution Center St. Louis, and Isaiah DiLorenzo, a landlord in South City. Welcome to you both. So, Kat, let's start with you. You've mediated hundreds of sessions involving various partners like tenants, landlords, and neighbors. Why is mediation a compelling option for folks facing conflict? Yeah, I think that mediation is a great option for individuals facing conflict because it's a chance and an opportunity for them to be heard and to be able to come into a neutral, safe space to talk about their conflict that they're having. Mm -hmm. And it also gives them an opportunity to come to a solution that works for them. So a mediator is not going to tell them what to do to resolve their conflict. So they're able to come together Mm -hmm. and reach um, and brainstorm ideas that will work for them specifically. So does that mean that there's a, a point at which you typically come into uh, interaction between um, two different parties? So looking at the mediation process, a mediator is more as a tour guide through the conflict resolution process. So when parties reach out to us for mediation and they are in a conflict, uh, the mediator acts as a neutral third party to, again, make sure that the parties are feeling safe and heard. And they can do that as a, in a variety of different ways, mm-hmm. um, reflective, empathetic listening, help them brainstorm ideas and troubleshoot solutions to make sure that they're long lasting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be the way that uh, mediation and mediators could help during conflict resolution and intervene. Right. So the intervention, that part of it, Isaiah, that's something that you as a landlord, um, that you have experienced firsthand. You've used the mediation services offered by the Conflict Resolution Center um, a handful of times. For you, what were a few of the reasons that you decided to turn to mediation first, as opposed to taking a purely legal route? Judges aren't given much leeway or many tools to resolve conflict, in my experience. Um, And so it's often a simple conversation of how much money is owed, um, when can you leave the apartment. Mm -hmm. But in practical life, there's often many more details um, to be worked out and sometimes issues that are that are more pressing and um, 
as Kat said, mediation allows that space to kind of pick things apart and find out where there's middle ground and um, where there's opportunities to reach resolutions that may be temporary fixes or maybe more long-lasting. Mm-hmm. Now, you have described conflict mediation as a comforting experience. Can you walk us through a session you've participated in? And like, for instance, when you've discussed tough issues like you know, late rate pen- payments um, and betrayal, I mean, what was it about this session that made it comfortable? The comfort I find is in um, kind of the um, dispassionate, colder approach, removing some emotion from things that can be very personal and very painful. Um, it helps to kind of take some of the air out of um, conversations and, and conflicts um, to find out what what really is the problem and what can be worked out mm-hmm. and what might be um, a matter of bruised feelings um, or resentments or feelings of disrespect. Those are real, mm-hmm. um, but they're not always productive. And so when those can be taken out and, and two parties can find ways to coexist without it ending um, in sort of a catastrophe. I mean, a, a, a family being put out in the street or um, a landlord being paranoid that somebody's going to um, damage his property. Or, you know, um, if, if those possibilities can be taken off the table, things are much more civil and um, humane, mm-hmm. productive. And does that mean that you have you have had to um, to negotiate with tenants in the past, um, and it's not been as a, as productive an experience. Of course, mm-hmm. of course, when you're exchanging texts, and you know, it's not always the the best way to um, to resolve conflict um, in the heat of the moment. Um, but something about that that forum or that safe space to to try to bring your best self to the table and and isolate you know what are the real issues and and where concessions can be made so that things are more equitable and um, humane. Yeah, and mutually beneficial, yeah. right? Heather Thurman is someone who went through mediation last month because there was lots of confusion about the rent she was supposed to pay. Her property owner had asked her to pay nearly $10,000 in late fees. That's a a pretty penny. Um, In this case, the landlord initiated a call to the Conflict Resolution Center, and Heather says there was a lot of negative sentiment on both sides. It was just a lot of, like, fees and different things, and so... Kat wanted to just verify because she just kept wanting to get us on a, on a place that we could agree. And it was like, you know, magnets that just were like opposing each other. I can't really, I guess I couldn't really tell you specifics as far as, you know, what actually was said at the time. But she was very good at, at stopping the mediation and just getting the facts and Everything that I told you already, you can probably imagine that the relationship between us and the landlord was just not good. So to get us to both come to an agreement on what to pay, 
um, and both get us to sign it. I mean, that, that was pretty spectacular in itself. And that was Heather Thurman, who has recently used the services of the Conflict Resolution Center in St. Louis. Now, Kat, I had asked earlier, at what point you usually come into the picture? And Isaiah, based on what you're saying, I mean, and what we've just heard from Heather, that there is exchange that happens between parties before they come to you, which means that landlords and tenants often have very charged feelings about each other before they they sit in the same room um, with you. In what ways do you direct conversation so that it moves away from vitriol and into a more productive exchange about solutions? Yes, when when people come into the mediation space, they are already uh, very charged up. It's, you know, there is so much confrontation going on typically. And when we intervene and when I am mediating a case like that, um, one way to help mitigate some of that conflict is, again, making sure that everybody feels safe and heard and doing that simply as letting them know that this is a confidential process, that everyone will get equal opportunity and time to speak and say their point of view. Um, A lot of times just letting the air out and letting people just speak from their point of view and letting the other person hear them, sometimes that will just take the, you know, air out of the room a little bit and bring the notch down. Um, A lot of future forward thinking is involved as well. Um, Sometimes people in conflict get caught in a loop. And again, they, they just want to make sure that their point of view is heard and they'll keep going over and over that. So my job as a mediator is to come in and make sure once they are heard that we start looking forward to the future on how they can start to rectify the situation that they have at hand. Mm-hmm. And something that I've noticed just in the interaction that you and I have had so far is that you have repeated back to me some of the things that I have said, is that also part of what you do when you are speaking with two different opposing parties that you'd like to bring together? Yes, yes, that is a huge part of empathetic and reflective listening. Um, so again, as I've, I've said many times, is making sure that the the people in mediation, that they are feeling really heard and acknowledged because many times conflicts, um, you know, they will stem from different things such as um, past due rent or damages or um, loss of income, things like that. But um, a lot of times it is just making sure that there's not a miscommunication and that everyone is hearing one another. Mm-hmm. And Isaiah, you know, the first time that you and your tenant went through mediation, you were doubtful it would work. What is it that turned your skepticism into confidence? And, you know, what was the outcome? The team at Conflict Resolution Center, they have a set of skills, techniques, and a body of experience. As you were uh, pointing out that they have techniques for for, um, bringing things out in people and helping us refine our arguments and and be succinct. Um, So, and we're not always in the same room. Sometimes, Mm. you know, they'll break off and have one-on-one. So whatever needs to be done to to kind of alleviate the the anxiety or or the hurt um, and get it down to workable, um, 
you know, units, sure. <laughs> uh, issues that can be uh, that can be dealt with mm-hmm. as opposed to feelings that are difficult to um, tend to. Right. So, I mean, do you think then that mediation uh, among fellow landlords in the area is something that they consider as uh, as a good option? Of course, it, it should be the first option, and the more. Um, one engages in this process, the more one can take away from it and utilize it before it ever gets to court or mm-hmm. gets to mediation, you know, to, to kind of take those skills and learn how to be a little bit more dispassionate and objective and hopefully maybe empathetic um, so that it, it doesn't come to the point where somebody's filing um, a lawsuit. Yeah. And yeah. Have you found yourself telling other landlords that this is something they should do? I haven't. I I don't have um, a community of landlords. You know, there's not – I'm not aware of that sort of uh, support among us. Mm -hmm. Um, But if – but among the uh, among those that I that I do, of course, absolutely, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And as far as it's being a a step in the legal process – is that something you would advocate for as well? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm almost of the mind that it should be mandatory, but you know, there are cases when there's uh, the no good faith or, or complete lack of trust where it, it's as simple as going to the judge and saying, "Let's um, terminate this relationship." Mm-hmm. But but in in the vast, I would think the vast majority of cases. There's lots of middle ground and there's lots of even as far as um, devising an equitable exit strategy. Yeah. I mean, you've taken a class with the Conflict Resolution Center to learn some mediation skills for yourself. What are some of the concrete things, Isaiah, that you took away from that as a landlord and that you've actually been applying? I was most interested in the fact that the mediators don't have any desired outcome other than an outcome right, you know they right. want it to they want things to resolve but they're not they're not interested in guiding them towards what they see as well this is fair or this is right that's the judge's job um, there are social workers there's lawyers there's judges there's everybody has a different set of skills and the mediators have theirs and that is to, to create this place where two individuals can come up with an individual solution. We need to take a quick break here. But before that, I want to say thank you to you, Isaiah DiLorenzo, uh, and landlord here in St. Louis who has used the services of the Conflict Resolution Center in St. Louis. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And we will pick up with this conversation just after this break. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Welcome back. Let's continue our conversation about mediation with Kat Straubinger, Mediation and Education Manager at the Conflict Resolution Center of St. Louis. Let's also bring in another voice. Sheila Webster is the Outreach Manager at the Conflict Resolution Center St. Louis. Sheila, welcome. Thanks for having us. (laughs) So, Sheila, the landlord-tenant power dynamic is something that we have heard a little bit about, um, but it is something that is 
too often tipped in favor of a landlord. And this is true in day-to-day interactions and even more apparent in eviction court hearings. How is it that mediation promotes a more equitable balance? That's probably one of my favorite things that mediation does bring to the table is the balance of power um, for the tenants as well. Um, Part of my history was being a landlord for many years, 32 years. And so um, I was in court and I would see that. Um, My thing that I knew was that when residents were behind in rent or there was some issue with the court case, they would a lot of times just shut down because they felt that they couldn't defend themselves. They were up against court. They didn't know what court papers were, what to do to go to court, all of that. And ours is a very nice alternative um, for people to get together and talk about this issue, um, for tenants to be able to say if there's any type of maintenance issues or uh, reasons for delay or what their future plans are, as Mm -hmm. Kat said, about how to pay because they don't get that opportunity when it's in front of the legal, in front of the court and the judge. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's really there about rent and possession. And it's, are you going to be able to pay this or not? Um, do you wanna sign a consent judgment? How soon can you be out? And so definitely mediation has just been a much better alternative. Uh, and then of course the tenants don't have that eviction on their record permanently mm-hmm. also. Right. So. Um, it, it has really made a big difference for a lot of our uh, households in the city of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Now, Kat, as a mediator, you obviously need to have a, a certain set of skills and training as well. What is the training that you have received um, and done in order to serve in the role that you are now? Yes, I had completed what's called Rule 17 training. Um, That is the first step to do any basic civil mediations for any mediator starting out. Um, I've also completed Rule 88 training, which is family mediation uh, training as well. Um, I've done several different um, de-escalation trainings, empathetic listening trainings um, all throughout Um, since I have been a mediator. And it's really one of those uh, careers that you are a constant learner and you are constantly sharpening your skills. So let's get a little bit more into what a mediation session involves. We heard earlier before the break about what Isaiah uh, DiLorenzo's experience was. Uh, We also heard again from Heather Thurman. Heather was the tenant that we heard from earlier, and she told our producer, Aula Kuziz, she was impressed with your mediation skills and your ability, Kat, to clearly communicate and redirect the conversation when things got too heated. We did it, um, and the landlord was there, and Kat was there. We took turns, and we spoke, you know, how our side and then uh, her side, and then if things started to get maybe, like, emotions started coming into play and stuff. Kat was just like right there to just kind of put a pin in it where, where we could agree. And then, um, and then, you know, just, she kept steering it back, you know, sometimes when emotions or whatever, uh, then you can kind of, kind of get off on a little tangent and then you kind of get away from actually just the business part. So she was really good. And like I said, it was a totally fair thing. I didn't feel like she, you know, was like siding with the landlord or they were, you know, just kind of like pressuring us. It was 
it was really a good experience with Kat. So Kat, your role is to be a neutral third party. And when Isaiah was speaking earlier from the perspective of uh, a landlord, he used the word dispassionate a few times. But you are human, right? Um, And as Heather mentioned, you need to be fair. Is it challenging sometimes, like, not to take sides? And, you know, how do you how do you balance that? (laughs) Mm, That's a great question. Um, You're right. I'm human. Everyone is human that goes through the mediation process. And it does take a lot of skill um, and experience to remain neutral throughout. And, you know, even if you have your own set of bias, um, there's a lot of training that goes into um, getting rid of those biases that you have. If there is a situation where um, I'm noticing that there is a um, clear path that is not forward for one of the participants in a mediation, and they are maybe not Uh, coming to the table to mediate in good faith, or they're just there to intimidate or escalate the situation because, you know, people are human. They do want to come to the table to mediate and generally reach an agreement, but there are just bad actors that Mm -hmm. do happen. Um, Should that occur during a mediation, I usually just go with my instinct and I, you know, train new mediators and I always tell them, go with your instinct. If there's Um, an alarm going off in your mind that says maybe this person is not acting in good faith. Um, There's different ways to mitigate that. You can split the two individuals apart, have a separate conversation with one of them, um, or you can simply just um, cease doing the mediation at that point and just terminate it. Mm -hmm. An instinct, I mean, it can be chalked up to gut feeling, Mm -hmm. but it's also about what you are doing actively Mm -hmm. during a session. Um, You're not necessarily advising participants on what it is they should do. What are some of the things that you do during a session that informs how you are going to respond to the parties that you're working with? Like, what are the things you're watching for, listening for? Yeah, you're looking and watching for everything. Um, From the time that the mediation opens, you're paying attention to their body language, to the tone of their voice, to the way that they are answering questions. Uh, We touched upon earlier in that power imbalance, specifically with tenant-landlord mediations. Um, It does take a lot of courage for some tenants to be in a space where they're vulnerable, they're behind on rent, there might be several issues going on. So when we are in that mediation space, I'm paying attention to everything that's going on. And if there is a gut feeling or a red flag that I see, there's different ways to mitigate that. Um, You know, leaning in a little bit more, asking more clarifying questions, open-ended questions, uh, paraphrasing and summarizing what someone's told me and reflecting that back to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times by going through those different tools, it's a way to uncover what is at the core of what's going on. I'm speaking with Kat Straubinger, who's Mediation and Education Manager at the Conflict Resolution Center of St. Louis. And also with us is Sheila Webster, who works with Kat at the Conflict Resolution Center as the Outreach Manager. Now, Sheila, mediation is something that is entirely free. It's a free service thanks to funding from the city, and it's fairly accessible. Um, the Conflict Resolution Center partners with the St. Louis 
Circuit Court, and a benefits navigator and a mediator are present at eviction hearings. Now, if a landlord and tenant decide to take the mediation route, Sheila, it puts a pause on their court case. Now, why is it important to provide this option and intervene during a case? Well, there's many times when uh, either party doesn't know about our services even being available. So there are some cases that we get while they're there at the court. And we do have landlords that sometimes will call us like Isaiah uh, prior to filing. Um, but it is important to, the, the first thing, and I guess the practice in St. Louis has always been just file. Someone hasn't paid, so you just file. And that's what landlords are used to. Mm-hmm. And then they come to court and they see our benefits navigator there and they see another option. Tenants see another option. And so we can take those two to the side. Um, and as you've heard during this discussion, it's much more fruitful for them to just kind of come together to talk it out with all of their own opinions. Mm -hmm. And the court will then put a continuance in place. It may just be a week or so. And then uh, we can give the court an update that following week as to whether or not the parties came to an agreement on their own. And then it's up to the landlord whether or not to dismiss the case. Uh, He may want to continue it, but just continue to continue it, if that makes sense. Mm but yeah, so our, our people are there. We're there Monday through Friday um, trying to get uh, cases away from having to, you know, get finalized there and to see if there's some way to work it out and to save people in their homes. Yeah. Now, the Conflict Resolution Center, it also partners with other community nonprofits as well as neighborhood associations. Sheila, tell us about how engaging with the community at that very local level is important. Oh, it's very important. We do a lot of outreach events. Um, We're part of the Office of Violence Prevention. We're an auxiliary. And so uh, we talk to um, the cure violence teams and things like that. And if there's issues that aren't, let's say, gun-related or very high threat levels, we ask them to send those cases to us. Uh, so we can help to try and de-escalate that maybe between two neighbors because they're out on the streets and they see all of that. We also help uh, with the neighborhood stabilization team and a lot of the office of uh, the Citizens Service Bureau that get complaints in the city of neighbor-to-neighbor issues, and we can help de-escalate those. Um, There's been a lot in national news about neighbors getting um, territorial over space or someone did this or someone did that, and then people just may whip out a gun. So um, it's really important in the climate that we have that everyone kind of relearn how to communicate with each other and do it in a succinct way where it's not personal, Um, but we get down to the uh, meat of what's needed, and that's where we can step in and we can be that third-party neutral um, and the two parties get to resolve it themselves or see, you know, how they can accomplish that. So many times it ends up being feelings and emotions that get in there. Um, and that's one of the things, as we talked about, that Kat can help to kind of simmer that down. And let's just talk about the business of it, as, mm-hmm. as um, our tenant person said. Yeah. yeah. And we started the conversation talking about landlord and tenant mediation specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, But as you've indicated, conflict resolution certainly encompasses more than that. Sheila, in the years of experience that you have had, is there anything about conflict mediation overall that continues to surprise you 
um, or that keeps you going with this work? Um, boy, I, well, my passion for it keeps me going with it. I know that's true. But to see the results and to see how people are happy. And a lot of times when we talk about that balance of power, the person who's feeling powerless, all of a sudden comes away with skills that they're able to use uh, for other issues, even other parts of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've told us that. Yeah. They said, you know, you've taught me this, and this is how I, I can go forward. And so those those wins are just really, uh, um, ex- you know, helpful. Mm-hmm. And seeing families being staying with a roof over their heads has sure. been great. Heather Thurman, whom we heard from earlier, she shared with our producer, Aula Kuziz, that she was really impressed with the mediation process, but that recently the landlord did not fulfill their end of the agreement. What are the limits of the mediation process, especially when it comes to holding people accountable? So in terms of the mediation process and the potential agreement that um, participants meet, if that does happen, we type up um, a memory, MOU. I'm so sorry. A memorandum of understanding. Yes, yes. (laughs) memorandum of understanding. And so we do type that up. And both participants, uh, they sign that. They get copies of that. Now, as the mediator, we cannot um, enforce anything that is agreed upon if it is a non-filed case. So this is between the parties. And this is between them to uphold their end. Now, should that fall apart, at the end of the mediation, they do have the option to reconvene and come back at a later time if they choose to do that. So they can come back, have another conversation. And that does tend to happen at times. Um, Situations change, um, things happen. So we always keep the door open for them to come back and have another conversation, draft up another agreement. According to a report that was released by the Conflict Resolution Center this year, landlord and tenant mediation in particular had a very high success rate, like 81%. This is data between July 2021 and August 2022. I mean, Kat, what is it that defines success? Each time participants mediate, it's not a guarantee that they're going to reach an agreement. So my job as a mediator is not to come in and and check a box that they go through the process and they reach an agreement. But I define the success is that, as Sheila had said, they go through the process, even if they don't reach resolution at the end, they've all had an opportunity to say their piece. Um, The situation is de-escalated to the point that they can manage it on their own. And it really just teaches the participants the skills and communication that they need to go forward because, you know, something will eventually always come back up um, in the future. And even if mediation is not a part of that process, they're given the tools and the skills to really self-advocate and utilize those in the future. So that, to me, is what what keeps me going in this field and really makes it... um, a a big part of my job and the success going through the mediation process. Kat Straubinger is Mediation and Education Manager at the Conflict Resolution Center, and Sheila Webster is Outreach Manager at the same center here in St. Louis. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you.
This episode was produced and edited by Ella Kuziz. With audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.